turn with me tonight to the book of Job, fifth chapter. Job chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. For he maketh sore and bindeth up. He woundeth and his hands make whole. The book of Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 4 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the prophets shall be ashamed every one of his vision when he hath prophesied. Neither shall they wear a rough garment to deceive, but he shall say, I am no prophet, I am an husbandman. For man taught me to keep cattle, from my youth and one shall say unto him what are these wounds in thine hands then he shall answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends going to preach tonight with the help of the Holy Ghost the wound beneath the scab the wound beneath the scab. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you for your spirit that we feel here in this sanctuary tonight. God, I thank you for your people. God, I thank you for what you desire to do in their lives, in their families, and in our city. God, we believe that our best days are not behind us, but our best days are ahead of us. God, we know that you desire to move in this place tonight. And so, God, I pray that every heart would be open to your word, that every ear would be open to the sound of the Spirit. Let your will be done. Let it be accomplished in earth as it is in heaven in Jesus name let's put our Bibles down and let's let's not be quiet tonight we're a little too quiet for my liking let's lift our voices and let's clap our hands tonight thank you Jesus you can be seated. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. For he maketh sore and bindeth up. He wounds and his hand. This portion of scripture seems to 
be incongruent with other portions of Scripture. The Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and despise not the correcting or the chastening of the Almighty seems to be in agreement with that portion of Scripture. However, we must understand tonight that these were not the words of Job, who we understand to be a righteous man. Job is indeed a righteous man, blameless and upright, perfect in his generation. He is a man who walks with God. He is a man who lives for God. He is a man who not only lives for God just enough, but Job is a man who lives for God extra. If his children are partying, then Job's going to offer a sacrifice. I got to go to the bathroom too. Then Job... He's going the extra mile. And we know the story, we know it well, how that he is attacked not by God, but by Satan. That it is an effort to get Job to curse God and die. The words we find in Job chapter 5 come not from Job, but from one of his friends. A friend by the name of Eliphaz. He is a friend of Job and he has claimed to have had a spiritual dream. He claims to have had a vision. You can read it for yourself in chapters 4 and 5. And in this spiritual dream or vision, there is a spirit that brings him insight concerning Job's dilemma. And so as he uh, makes his way back to Job uh, after this encounter he has a word to deliver to Job that you are facing is because of your self-righteous attitude and as you begin to study the words of Eliphaz you will find that there is enough truth in it to make it sound convincing In fact, some of what Eliphaz had to say was so true that it found a place in the words of Paul to the church at Corinth. But verses 17 and 18 are not those verses. You see, what Eliphaz had spoken had some truth in it, but it was not the case with Job. Here, Eliphaz is telling Job, if you'll just receive God's correction then you'll find yourself being blessed again let me just pause here and tell us tonight that you must be careful to test the spirits that bring spiritual insight to you first John chapter 4 and verse 1 beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of God because all false prophets are gone out 
into the world, which explains the verbiage used spirit when he said that God woundeth and his hands make whole. Yes, he does chastise, but I've been through several instances in my life where I was wounded, but never Never have I ever been wounded of God. I'm preaching tonight to a group of people that need to take a moment and examine the wound beneath the scab. He said, God woundeth. He smites through. He wounds severely. He shatters. And Job, he is trying to tell Job that he has shattered you. He has smitten you through. He has wounded you. This was a spiritual attack. We know on this side of history that Satan God and die. One of the best ways for that to be accomplished. I feel my help right now. Is to get them. One of the best ways to get that to happen is for Job to start thinking that God has his crosshairs on him. Oh, one of the best ways you is for you to start believing that God is wounding you, that God desires you hurt, that God desires you harmed. These words could have made Job start asking questions like, why would God wound me such? Why would God do this? Why would God allow this? But those are not thoughts that will bring you closer to God. And those are not thoughts that were brought to you by God. It's time to get down below the scab to examine the wound. We find in scripture, we read it in Zechariah, that the prophets are looking around and they see this one who is not dressed like a prophet, but he is dressed like an husbandman. He is dressed like the one who said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Any branch that is in me that does not bear fruit will be good for nothing and cast out. But let me tell you about what the husbandman does. He's, his job is to go through and to ensure the health and the well-being of the vine. And so there are times and there are situations where God has dealt with me, where God has exposed things in my life to me but it is not up to God to pull those out of my life God didn't force me to live for him I live for him because I had revelation and I live for him because I love him come to preach to somebody we're taking the magnifying glass and we're going to examine some wounds tonight because you need to understand that God is not against you but God is for you 
And there are times when God lays bare circumstances and character flaws and sin issues and weights. But the apostle Paul said, lay aside every weight and the sin. You've got to lay it aside. Paul said, I strike a blow to my body. I bring my body. I bring my carnality. I bring my flesh under subjection. God isn't going to do that. So the rock doesn't have to fall on me and grind me to powder. Now, let me tell you what God will do. God will separate himself from you. And the natural course of sin and degradation will catch you. Choose your sin, but you can't choose the consequence. And the prophets were looking at this one who was dressed like an husbandman, dressed like a vine dresser, a vine keeper. And his job is to go through and to to expose and to eliminate the, the shoots that are dead or dying so that the shoots that are fruitful can be made more fruitful and can grow. They've got to be trimmed so the sunlight to get in. Uh, and and it, takes, it, it takes an excessive amount of energy vine to expel or to detach the vines that are dead. It takes something like five times the amount of energy for that vine to do what the vine dresser can do with one clip. And so for the health of the entire vine, for the health of the entire flower, if we were talking about flowers, there's a thing called deadheading and you trim the flowers, you trim dead off of the the plant so that more can grow. God's design and God's desire for your life is for there to be God's design and God's desire for your life is for it to be fruitful. It's been that desire since the very beginning of time. Be fruitful and multiply. Sin comes into the world. There are consequences for sin. Noah and his family get off of the ark after the whole earth is baptized in the flood. And what does he tell Noah? Despite the sin that's in the world, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to be multiplied. I know that that's what it was at the beginning but you can still be fruitful and you can still multiply even when sin has entered the picture they're looking at this man who's dressed not like them he's not wearing the the scars that you have in your hands these are the scars that I got in the house of my friends. It literally says, tell us about the scars in your hands. Is this some kind of farming accident? No, it's messianic. They're talking to a prophet who's a vine dresser, who is the true vine. And they're looking at him post-crucifixion. Tell us about the wounds in your hands. 
These are the wounds that I got in the house of the people that I love. These are the wounds that I sustained when I was trying to save them. When I was trying to pull them close to me. When I was trying to get them to realize that I was Emmanuel, God with us. These are the wounds that I received when I was misunderstood. These are the wounds that I received when I was misrepresented. These are the wounds that I received when I was uh, thrown out like yesterday's garbage. These are the wounds that I received blasphemous when they thought I was going against the law when they thought I was trying to control when they thought I was this and when they thought I was that these are the wounds that I got in the hands but there's something about the Messiah that we need to get an understanding of did he stop loving them because they wounded him dare I say that he was on the cross giving us a perfect example father forgive them for they know not what they do they don't know what they're doing he had prayed if there be any other way let the cup pass from me the cup of what it was the cup of suffering that he didn't want to drink from but these are the wounds that I suffered in the house of my friend God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And these wounds are going to eternally symbolize not hatred, not malice, not bitterness of spirit but that which man intended for evil are now symbolic of his great love for you and I you see we've got to understand the sword below the scab And verse 14, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. If I think I'm sick all the time, that spirit is going to sustain my infirmity. We don't have the time to get... That someone can think themselves sick to the point of death. And it is also true that in many cases it is. Ramifications attached to it. It's not anything that's new under the sun, but Proverbs 18, 14, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. If I walk, I'm, I'm just, let me just finish the verse. But a wounded spirit who can bear, I need us to understand tonight 
that the wounded spirit, if everybody has always done me wrong, I get depressed and I get dejected. There's a sense of guilt and depravity and misery. And it's the most grievous. It's the most intolerable. And it will not just go away. It's a wound that begins to fester. How many times have I been wounded when there was no hurt intended? How many times have we thought ourselves into being wounded? But a wounded spirit, who can bear a wounded spirit? You weren't designed to carry that. You weren't designed to live that way. That is not God's plan for your life. But if unless you peel the scab off, and unless you get down and you start examining the wound, you're going to live the rest of your life that way because the spirit will sustain the infirmity. If I'm wounded and I let, my, I let that get into my spirit, then I'm the eternal victim. And God didn't create me to be a victim. God created me to be victorious. I'm just going to tell you, we got to make up in our minds. I'm not going to be the guy. I'm not going to be the lady that shows up and there's always something wrong with me. We're not going to be the family that shows up and everything's falling apart. Guess what, honey? It might be falling apart. But you're not, you don't need to know that's not pride. I'm putting my confidence in God. I'm not going to let that sustain me. Amen. Not going there. I'm not doing that. A wounded spirit. Who? can bear and if we are not careful we'll listen to the words of Eliphaz and we'll start thinking that God is the source behind our pain if we're not careful we'll buy into the lie that God has designed it to be this way if we're not careful we'll buy into the ideology that this is just what God has for me uh, this is just my cross to bear I'm just going to go through life with my head hanging down being a spiritual Eeyore or a spiritual Basset Hound I'm just dragging all over the place you know where I've been because you'll see the drag marks I'm drug here and I'm drug there I'm moseying on over here oh I, nobody likes me I love that Song. I hate that song, but I love it. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat some worms. That can become the anthem of our life if we're not careful. If we, real, if we don't realize where the wounds come from. Oh, y'all want me to finish this song? Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat some worms. Long, slim, slimy ones. Short, fat, juicy ones. Itsy, bitsy, fuzzy, wuzzy worms. They become the anthem of our life. This person's out to get me, and that person's out to get me, and you're eternally... Woo!
wounds that you sustain. Listen, I'm not here to say that wounds don't happen. Offenses will come. It is impossible except that offenses will come. But we need to understand it is not God who is bringing the offenses. And if Job had allowed those thoughts, would it begin to creep into his mind? Oh, Eliphaz had a vision. Eliphaz had a dream. Eliphaz saw an angelic visitor. Oh, it was an angelic visitor, all right. It was spiritually demonic. Oh, if if I could just get him to believe that his body encounter and this buddy said you know what guess what man you're just self-righteous you're just a self-righteous jerk you need to repent and you need to you just you just got your nose so far up in the air you'll drown when it rains if you'll just accept it and learn the lesson listen there's good wisdom in learning how to suck it up and move on but in this particular situation Job said, I'm not letting that get in my spirit. I refuse. God is not doing this to me. All Job had ever known of God was that God loves me. All Job had ever known of God is that God loves my wife. All that ever Job had known of God was God loves my babies. All Job had ever known was the blessings of God. That the man are ordered of the Lord. Uh, Job only knew that God was on his side. And when Job had gotten that revelation, he was able to think of the words of Eliphaz and let him go in one ear and out the other because that's not the God that I serve. People may hurt me. Friends may hurt me, loved ones may hurt me, but God never does. We need to get an understanding tonight that the Lord is on our side and we cannot afford to get a wounded spirit. We cannot afford to live in eternal offense. spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity but a wounded spirit who can bear it's time to get down below that scab to examine the wound Psalm 109 verse 21 says but do thou for me O God the Lord for thy name's sake because thy mercy is good Deliver thou me. Okay? That's a great encouraging verse. A little bit more context. For I am poor and needy. And my heart is wounded within me. I wonder how that psalm might have gone if he'd have said, God, why are you allowing this? Now listen, the psalmist had some moments of being down. The psalmist had some moments where he prayed that God would break their arms and slap them in the face with their own hands. He had some moments where he was like, God, I don't get why this is going on. But at the end of it, he's always saying, but blessed be the name of the Lord. God, your mercies are good. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to be trusting in you. 
when I bring my concerns to God, when I'm poor and when I'm needy, and even when my heart is wounded, that word wounded in this context means that it's pierced. I've been stabbed. If we were to read those verses in reverse, for I am poor and needy and my heart is wounded within me. But do thou for me, O God the Lord, for thy name's sake, because thy mercy is good, deliver thou me. I believe that the psalmist knew what was going to be written in what we call verse 22. And so he prefaced everything with the previous verse by saying, I know, God, that you're in control. I know, God, that whatever you're doing is going to be for the glory of Mercy is good, and your mercy has always been good. You have always been faithful. I've come to let somebody know it's time to wipe the mud out of your eyes. It's time to dust yourself off, and you got to say, okay, I don't want to go through it, but I'm going to go through it, and I'm going to go through it trusting that your mercy is good, and you're going to deliver me for your name's sake. You're faithful, God. You're faithful, God. You're faithful, God. It's not God that's going to harm me. It's God that's going to pour out his mercy. It's God that is faithful. When I'm pierced, even when my heart is pierced and when my heart is wounded. Let me just tell you, there are wounds. Proverbs 26 and verse 22. The words of a talebearer are as wounds. The words of a gossip words of a liar the words of a false accuser are as wounds if you dig into the original meaning it's a word that in Hebrew only occurs two times both of those times it occurs in the book of Proverbs and both times it talks about talebearers. That, that particular wound is only associated to those who run their mouths. Down, the wounds go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Those are not wounds that we are denying. Those are not wounds that we are just saying, hey, guess what? You just got to let it roll off your back like water off a duck's back. Well, honey, I ain't no duck. They hurt. They wound me. But the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity and a wounded spirit who can bear. Let me just tell you, it is vitally important to you as a child of God. Right, we've got a great church. We've got a church that loves people. We've got a church that loves you. But we're going to hurt each other's feelings. We're going to be wounded in the house of our friends. But what we need to understand is I cannot allow that to become my identity. I cannot allow that 
that to get in my spirit. Ah, who can bear it? Who can bear it? Who can bear it? What do I do with it? You take it to Psalm 147 and verse 3. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. The Hebrew word for he healeth is literally the word Rapha, which is tied to Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth me. We need to understand that when we get wounded, we don't run out the door with a spirit of offense and a chip on our shoulder. We run to the altar and we pour it out to Jehovah Rapha. And when I'm at the altar, if I remember, my brother's got ought against me. I go and I find my brother. You haven't offended me, so you're going to be okay. Uh, We go and find our brother, and we make it right before we go back to pray. Because if I want my prayer to be successful, i got to make it right. But if I'm never willing to look beneath the scab where did this wound really come from he is Jehovah Rapha the Lord that heals and he comes to bind up their wounds we see Verses 30 through 35, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. By chance there came that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion on him and he went to him and he bound up his wounds and he poured in oil and he poured in wine wine and he set him on his own beast and he brought him to an inn and took care of him and on the morrow when he departed he took out two pence gave them to the host and said take care of him And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Cute story, Pastor. This is great for Wednesday night, kids' church. I mean, really, wouldn't that make a great skit? I mean, how engaged would the kids be when they see somebody get the tar kicked out of them? have some cheering and some crying you see the wilderness road from Jerusalem to Jericho was infamous for professional robbers and thieves it was known as the red or the bloody highway at times it was patrolled by
The parable of the Good Samaritan has been quoted more times than we can count. Books have been written. Scholars have expounded upon it. It has become the earmark of what, is, what it means to be caring and, and what it means to minister to your neighbor. But it is more than just a parable. It is more than just a story. This was not story time with Jesus. This was not uh, a clinic on teaching or preaching, but it was, in fact, the ultimate parallel of mankind's journey on the earth. To the eye of an author, it is the greatest summation of an individual's life wrapped up in a short story. This parable carries with it a universal meaning regarding the fall of the entire human race and the redemptive plan to make mankind whole again. This man falls among thieves. He is wounded. He is grievously wounded and he is left for dead. And in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning, mankind fell into sin, fell among thieves that stripped him of his innocence. It stripped him of the glory of God and it wounded him, uh, leaving him half dead. He was alive physically, but spiritually he died. Spiritually, he was separated. Which is why when the serpent had spoke to them and he said, oh, God said that you'd surely die, but you won't really die. Physically, they lived on. Spiritually, they died. It was after the fall that spiritually man became dead in trespasses and in sins. In this parable of the Good Samaritan, we find those who were supposed to be capable of bringing healing to the wounded human race, uh, the priesthood that was not able to do so. And Jesus would be likened then to the Samaritan who was half Jew and half Gentile and Jesus being completely divine and completely human. Uh, he was the caring savior of the story whose compassion caused him to remove himself from his own beast of burden. He removed himself from the throne and he got down in the ditch with man who was bruised, man who was battered, man who was robbed, man who was left for dead. He pours into the wounds oil and wine, which are both references to the Spirit of God. Puts the man on his own beast and puts him into an inn where he cares for him. We see it in the period from the resurrection to Pentecost, or from the resurrection to the ascension, where he's caring for man. And he ascends and he says, I'm going. And I'm going to leave you in the hands of the innkeeper, which is the pastor. I'm going to leave you in the hands of the ministry. And minister. Here's the Old Testament, and here's the New Testament. Here's the law. Here's the prophets. Everything is built on this. Uh, and here's the New Testament salvation plan. This is everything that you need. But if there happened to be anything else, when I come back, I'll repay you. And so we see the very real story and the very real understanding that man really does hurt man and sin really does hurt man. But when God steps onto the scene, God never hurts 
He doesn't show up in your life to beat you up. He doesn't show up in your life to wound you. He doesn't show up in your life to beat you down and to condemn you. He doesn't life to cast you off to the side but he shows up to bind the broken hearted he shows up to pour in the oil and pour in the wine he shows up to fill you with his spirit that will wash you clean in baptism in his name and arise shows up to heal your hurt. He shows up to carry you on his own beast. He shows up to carry you to the ministry so you can be helped and made whole. It's the road of life that's full of twists and turns, ups and downs, smooth patches and rough spots. It's full of places and situations that cause wounds. And I wonder tonight if we were to close our eyes, if God would open them to see the scabs that have grown. See the body create scabs to protect wounds from bacteria. If bacteria do get in, the wound can become infected. And so it is with the human spirit that hurt and pain happen. And we allow a scab of hardness to cover the area. Gab is a collection of material such as blood and skin cells that forms a protective layer over the damaged skin. They form to protect injured skin from bacteria and infection. It's the body's way of protecting a wound against invaders. I'm going to allow myself to get a shell built up. Because I've been hurt before. I'm not cast in stone. beneath the scab. I allow myself to be separated. And if the scab cracks just a little bit, if the scab dislodges or, or otherwise fails to protect me, then, then I could get hurt again. All the while, the spirit for the man, for the woman, is sustaining the infirmity. And an infected scab 
is misleading. The term infected scab is misleading. The scab itself is made of dead cells and cannot become infected. It is the wound itself. It is the body beneath that which is dead who suffers the consequences. The hardness itself is dead. The protective layer is dead. But the tissue that's still living can become infected and therefore affected. It'll affect the way I worship. It'll affect the way I pray. It'll affect the way that I come to church. It'll affect the way that I connect to the body. I won't. I won't want to connect to the body because the shell won't allow me. And we switch into this mindset of self-preservation. And I know I felt it. We've all felt it. So let's just be real tonight. We switch into this mode that I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to allow myself to get soft again. Soft people get hurt. Soft people get walked on. But soft people can feel the presence of the God who has never harmed them. And soft people can feel the love of the church that loves them still. The way I connect to the body, it'll affect the way that I pray. It'll affect the way that I read the Bible. It'll affect the way that I'm allowing myself to be pastored or not pastored. It's the scab. It's the hardness. It's it's the... I pray today, God. We got to make sure that the wound is legitimate. And I... times have I been wounded when nobody even meant me any harm it was a wound that I conjured up in my own mind and in my own head that if I had paused and stopped and asked for clarification they'd have looked at me and said man what are you talking about there is that we do get wounded we do get hurt We cannot let that become our identity. People, maybe, this is again, this is the medical journal. People may be able to tell when a wound. We're not fooling anyone with the hardness and with the aloofness. I've seen hardness cause heads to hang 
wounds cause heads to hang. People wander through life. There's poverty attached to it. But I've also seen hardness do the opposite. They're just as hard. Their shoulders are square and their chins up and you're not touching me. I'm untouchable. And I've got it all together and I know it all. You're not going to teach me anything. Because if I allow myself to be taught by you, the hardness has to drop. The Egyptians hated shepherds too. Hurt will cause you to hate shepherds. And worldliness will cause you to hate shepherds. And people can tell just by looking that there is infection beneath the scab. There are other symptoms. One of them is that the skin around the wound is too hot. And when people get infected spiritual wounds or infected emotional or mental wounds, they don't want people around them. You get hot-tempered. You get too hot to handle, too hot to touch. When somebody tries to get too close, there's an explosion that begins. We're here tonight to look beneath the scab, to see what's going on there. You know, one of the major, the major earmarks or the major symptoms or the, the first signs of leprosy. They'd look and they'd have to examine the scab to see how deep the infection was, to see how far the sickness had gone, and if it had discolored the area that was around it. And it was so bad that, that, that leprosy was, was known to even get into the walls of a house. Literally, get into the walls of a house. So destroyed because of the leprosy. And the leprosy of a wounded spirit is the same. It infiltrates the house and it gets in the walls and it gets in the clothing and it gets into everybody that's in the house. And and so those that were leprous had to be sent outside. They had to be outside the camp. They couldn't be around anybody else. They didn't want to be around anybody else. And they had to be separate and they had to be in leper colonies. They could only live with people who were just like them. Wounded spirits attract. The skin around the wound is hot to the touch. There's pain. There's redness. There's swelling. There's pus. A thick, foul-smelling fluid draining from the wound. Gross, Pastor. It is gross. Now think about that spiritually. When we get wounded and we just let it fester and we don't bring it to an altar and we don't let God deal with it and we don't let God, 
Let me tell you what, what the, the, the reason uh, or the, the, uh, the remedy for, for the scabs or the infected wounds. The, the, the remedy is you got to go in and you got to peel the scab off. You got to go in and you got to take it off. You got to take the hardness off. And you got to get somewhere where somebody can clean that thing. And you got to clean it out. And you got to let it bubble. And you got to wash the infection out. And you got to apply the, 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 the medication cream. And then you got to bind it up. You got to cover the wound up with the right kind of medication. You got to cover up your spiritual wounds with prayer, with fasting, with Bible reading, with worship, with fellowship. I got to get around the right kind of people. I got to get around the right kind of atmosphere. I know I've been hurt, ah, but I got to be preached to. Preach me out of it. Pray me out of it. I'm going to praise my way out. I'm going to pray my way out. I'm not satisfied. What are we doing here tonight? I feel as we stand all over this sanctuary tonight there are some scabs that need to come off there are some old wounds that have been festering a wounded spirit who can bear and the scab can get bigger and bigger and bigger Affecting more areas than just the area that was initially wounded. They say you got problems. If it stays the same and it starts getting smaller, it means that it's being healed. So we're going to get wounded. But we got to fight for healing. A common misconception is that if a scab is black instead of deep red or brown that the area is infected it's not the case but it's blood pooling underneath the scab and blood is rushing to that area to help fight the openness you need the blood you need the blood to, to rush into your world You need the blood to rush in to the area and allow it to begin to purge and bring healing. Far too often. We look at the wounds and we start blaming that on God. one person, the one being that can bring healing is pushed away by our hardness. Isaiah 61 in verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, that are bound. Did you catch it? He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. He sent me to repair. It's the same 
after his time in the wilderness, he'd reach for the scroll and he'd open it up and he would proclaim himself the Messiah with this passage. God doesn't desire your hurt. He doesn't desire for you to be in pain, for you to be wounded. But he said, I was wounded. These are the wounds I got in the house of my friends for their transgressions. Bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of your peace. upon him he took the pain so we could have peace and by his stripes we are healed did you know that most most criminals did not even make it through the scourging they gave him 40 stripes minus one 39 stripes and he took it for your healing I wonder tonight if we would bring our baggage wonder tonight if we would bring our hurts if we bring our band-aids if we bring the scabs and we say guess what Jesus these are coming off tonight I'm gonna peel these back tonight God I want you did not cause these I'm not going to lay on God what was not healing. I need healing. I need you to move. I need healing, Jesus. Lord, I want to be everything that God's called me to be. I don't need a 